Welcome everyone to an all new episode of the Comic Multiverse, where the worlds of nerd meet. As always, I am your host, Joel, and before I throw stuff over to Matt, my co-host, as I often do, I would like to take this moment to uh, inform and thank everyone about the uh, current status of the Patreon. And that is thanks to great patrons like Tyler Gray, who uh, pledged five whole dollars. Thank you, Tyler. Uh, the Kate Joel Patreon is now officially at the $50 mark. Now, what does that mean? That means as soon as this show is done, as soon as me and Matt wrap this, I will go and I will upload it directly to Patreon. So you can listen to it like a whole, a whole day and a half even before it comes out on Wednesday. So congratulations, you hit that milestone. Really happy we could hit it in so quick. Obviously, you know, you're going to support me, support Matt, support the show and everything. And, you know, just big, big thumbs up. Ain't that great, Matt? It is. We should get, like, I don't know, a bottle of Cristal or whatever, like, mm. like hood champagne or something. There you go. We'll get some fodies of Old English is what me and Matt will do, <laughs> and we'll pull these fodies out on the curb is what we'll do, and then we'll, and then we'll try and get some of it, you know, in the glass so we can drink, because you, you don't want to waste fodies. <laughs> That's what we'll do. I actually went to the liquor store today for the first time in a long time. Man, there's weird liquors that I never noticed before. I, I still, I can't even wrap my head around that Four loco stuff. You know what that is, right? Yeah, we don't get it here, but I do know what it is. For Loco, it's like, man, beer is great and energy drink is great. If only someone could mix these things <laughs> together. <laughs> we, we've got, they've just started releasing them. They've started releasing, like, whiskey and Coke Slurpees. Mm. Really? Wow. Yeah, they come in, like, these little, um, they're like Capri Sun bags. Jesus. And you just chuck them in the freezer for a little bit. And they obviously, because they don't have, because they have alcohol and they don't freeze all the way. So you end up with like a Slurpee. Did you, I don't know how long they've been doing this, but Captain Morgan has rum and Coke in a can. Like you just crack the top on it like you would any other Coke. And it's rum and Coke in a can. We've had that for ages here. There's something so horrifying about that to me. Like, used to be back in the day when you made a rum and coke, you would need a nice little glass and something from a decanter and some ice cubes. Nope, in a can now. <laughs> Just all in a can. I actually went there with someone, and they totally got suckered in by the wine lady. Because, you know, the person I went with knew nothing about wine. And they're like, okay, so I need one for me, I need one for tonight, and I need something for cooking. And the lady talked to him for, like, a good 20 minutes. Like, oh, well, this white wine is paired well with, you know, like an Atlantic fish. And he literally bought it just hook, line, and sinker. And, you know, he left with, like, six bottles of wine. And I'm like, really, dude? Really, you left with six <laughs> bottles of wine? <laughs> Do you even remember why you came in there? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope, but I got wine. All I know is I left with six bottles of wine. You just know that wine lady had six cents where it's like, no, here's a guy with a lot of money, too much time on his hands, who's going to leave with a lot of wine, and indeed he did. <laughs> so so that was my, uh, that was my day. Uh, how's your week been treating you, Matt? Pretty good. I've been, uh, had a couple of last days off thanks to public holidays and everything, Ooh. so I've just been... Chilling, watching, catching up on movies and TV shows and everything. Uh, I saw Zootopia this week, so I actually saw a movie. I saw it last week as well, and I saw Jungle Book this week, and nice. they were pretty damn good. Yeah, Disney, Disney's been doing okay the last little bit. From, from what I hear, it's like Jungle Book was better than it had any right to be, given live-action Disney productions. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's going to be weird as well, because isn't there like an Andy Serkis Jungle Book coming out like next week? next year sometime something like that there was two jungle book movies. that often happens yeah. two movies uh go head to head like there was all those snow white movies that came out last year 
Yeah, all those President Die Hard movies mm -hmm. and everything. There, there was two different Die Hard in the White House movies last year. Can you believe that? <laughs> Olympus Has Fallen, and I forget what the other one. White House Down was the other one. Yeah. Why does that always happen? Like, you'll get two Volcano movies. You'll get, like, Volcano, then you'll get Dante's Peak. Yeah, it's so weird. It, and it's just one of those things that neither knew about each other until, like, like production and stuff began and before and then it's too late to stop it, so yeah it, it's got to be like a hollywood thing like a script probably has to get a bunch of traction in hollywood and another studio is like ooh, that's probably gonna make a lot of money do our own version of that get a writer to work on that yeah i wouldn't be surprised heck there was two organ theft movies one year when there was repo the genetic opera and just repo man that came out in the same year it's true and those movies shared one actor he did, yeah, that's true. Yeah, the big fat Canadian actor, Marty Adams, who I'm actually a big fan of. <laughs> Ain't that some shit. Uh, yeah, m movies. But yeah, Z Zootopia was cool. What I liked about Zootopia is that it's probably the most self-aware Disney animated movie ever because it made a bunch of jokes about Disney animation. Yeah, yeah, I, I liked those jokes. I thought they were pretty funny. And, and Idris Elba was both in that and in Jungle Book. He was, that was really, like, I forgot he was in Jungle Book, so when I saw him, I'm like, holy crap, that's Idris Elba, he's played two animals in the space of a year. It's true, I, I loved it when Idris Elba, as like the water buffalo police chief, was like, what, you know, you, you think all your dreams are just gonna come true, you think you're just gonna sing a happy little song about it, and <laughs> all your dreams will come true, yeah, well guess what, you gotta let it go. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. And then there was a bunch of fake DVDs later. Yeah, yeah, the bootlegger. <laughs> that was genius. I'm like, okay, Disney, right on. You're, 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 you're good. High five up top. <laughs> Zootopia is as good as you heard it was, everyone. Y'all should check it out. Uh, also, I'm sure you did this too, but I caught the new episode of Game of Thrones that came back this season. I did. I'm actually, I actually rewatched it before we started this just because I watched it late last night, so mm. I rewatched it to pick up everything and pretty good yeah i was gonna say what'd you think but you already said pretty good yeah i was also watching um silicon valley that's oh, another really good show. i haven't hopped into that yet but i probably should in fact i should really watch it this season because some people i know who went to the san diego comic-con got to show up in the background of some shots for silicon valley oh nice yeah yeah i definitely have to watch that i have to watch that and i have to be super jealous that i wasn't there <laughs> Because Joel is always jealous, and then he writes it down in his spite journal. <laughs> Just a big leather-bound book that says spite on it in big red letters. <laughs> My friend got to do a fun thing today. I should be happy for him, but I'm not. Spite, spite, spite. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Game of Thrones was cool. Definitely some uh, movement with the Red Woman and what's going on with her. I know there was a lot of uh, worry going into this season. I certainly agreed. That it's like, okay, so season six, you're working without a net now. You have no books to, what is it, lean on because you've now moved past yeah. them. Yeah, well, like the um the showrunners have said that they're nearing the end of the season. And I think they said the last two seasons, which I think are actually going to be seven and eight, are only going to be, oh, what was it? They're, they're going to be shorter. But, yeah, between both seasons, they're going to only have 13 episodes. So they're going to sort of split those episodes in half. So, like, both seasons get, like, six episodes each. Interesting. Now, there was some stuff I saw in the trailer that, obviously, because it's the first uh, first episode, we don't know where they're going with it. But it looked like someone wearing, like, brand new Targaryen armor, which makes me wonder, to help fill out the time, are they going to, like, go back and show you Robert's Rebellion and stuff? I would not 
be against that. I think that would be pretty cool. I wouldn't be either because it's a cool history. It helps inform what's going on. And even more so, um, if you listen to the histories and lores on the DVD, they basically have characters from the show narrate it like it was real history. <laughs> yeah. If I was a history teacher, I would totally fuck with the kids and be like, okay, everyone, now we're going to learn the history of Westeros. <laughs> <laughs> have them write tests on it and everything. Now, how many boobs was in season one? Go. <laughs> Uh, all of the boobs. I like, too, in this newest episode, they actually kind of held off on showing you the boobs for the longest time. And then when they did in, like, the last five minutes, you're like, yay, boobs. Then you're like, oh, no, not <laughs> Oh, no, I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> it's almost like they punked the fan base. Like, okay, you had your violence. You had your comedy. You had your character development. You want some boobies now, don't you? Well, wait for it. Wait for it. Oh, you got punked. You got Game of Thrones punked. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Game, Game of Thrones continues to be awesome, continues to be, you know, one of the forefront of fantasy series. Uh, really interested to see where this season is going to go, because, I mean, if they were ever to drop the ball on it, it would be here and now. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be, they're going to have to get really specific in what they do and everything. I think, like, the showrunners already know, like, the end of the book, because George R. R. Martin's told them, of but course. they obviously can't really spoil anything. I, I wonder, is he one of those writers, George R. R. Martin, where he starts with the ending and works his way back? Or is he just like, oh, we'll get there eventually. Yeah, making it up as he goes along. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's why the next book's taking so long. <laughs> Man, that's that's got to be horrible, that, like, crushing writer's, uh, not even just writer's block, but writer's expectation, where it's like, you know, everyone loved what I did. They called it amazing and transformative, and the show is this huge juggernaut now. What do I write to top this? Yeah, yeah. He's kind of like painted himself into a corner. Little bit. It's I'm like, too successful. It really is. It's like, how do you end it? And then all the kings and queens sit down and have tea and lemon cakes and they talk out their issues the end. Yeah. <laughs> you just twilight that shit where it's like and everyone <laughs> and everyone has a vision about a super cool battle that takes place, but that didn't really take place though. No, it's all in the mind of Sean Bean's character, uh, Ned as he's about to die right in before the first season <laughs> right before his head gets chopped off. i like that no it's another tommy westfall show we find out all of game of thrones just took place in the mind of the autistic child from saint elsewhere <laughs> that's all it ever was uh or no it's like it's aria is telling a story to her children many years later and this is the story she told the game of thrones <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, Mom, that took you a long time to finish that story. It feels like you stopped in between for like six years. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that, that, that's for the TV portion of the show. We hope you enjoyed that. I know a lot of our fans are probably watching Game of Thrones, and they'll probably appreciate that. And it was also a nice way to ease you into uh, some rather serious topics we're actually talking about here on the Comic Multiverse. I know we're a fun, jokey show, but we would be derelict in our duty if we didn't bring you what was happening in the comic world of news. And the biggest story this week was something actually happening in the Vertigo line, of all things. I know we don't talk about Vertigo very much on this show, do we, Matt? No, we don't. Well, apparently uh, the news came down that the Vertigo line is going to be restructuring. Uh, obviously, this happens a lot in comics with different lines and different sub-companies. Even with Vertigo, it's happened many a time before. But the big news was is that uh, Shelley Bond, a beloved editor at Vertigo, who's been with the company for over 20 years. She's overseen some of their biggest successes, like Fables and uh, Preacher and Sandman and the Invisibles and all this other stuff. She was let go. 
is the yeah. thing. She was dismissed. And a lot of people were like, what? What the hell? Why Why would this lady be let go when she's doing so good? Now, again, I don't understand the business world. No one really understands what happened behind the scenes. It's not even really the firing itself that is the story. It's what came after the firing. Is Yeah, a lot of big allegations came out. Some really huge allegations because a lot of these people involved, a lot of people uh, took to Twitter and social media, as is always the case in this day and age. You just don't need to fume and be angry to yourself when you can let it out on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else. Uh, one such of these people was uh, colorist uh, Nathan Farabrin, who you may remember from doing the Wonder Woman Earth One book earlier this year. Uh, a bunch of people tweeted out their distaste for the firing, and then they started to turn, the, you know, the conversation kind of turned to, you know, why would this lady who we all love get fired when DC continues to employ, and they didn't say his name for the longest time, but it eventually came out, it was uh, Edward Bazzini, Bergazzini, basically yeah, the Berganza. editor, Berganza, yeah, you would know better than me, because he's the editor of all the Superman books, yeah. Uh, a lot of allegations got thrown his way saying, you know, why would you fire the nice lady but you would keep Berganza in power, who by all account now everyone is saying is something of a scumbag and a repeat sexual harasser. <laughs> yeah, he, a lot of people have actually come out say, and like mentioned him, so there's, there's something going on. Mm -hmm. there, was, there was a big article that got shared around. I can't remember what site it was from. I think, I think it might have been Comic Book Resources you know, basically got shared around with all the allegations, and it paints a really distressing picture, even more distressing. Oh, sorry, it was Bleeding Cool and The Beat. Want to give credit where credit was uh, due. Yeah, they were the ones who were circulating stories, but I know I heard about it because Dan Slott, of all people, retweeted one. And uh, the, perhaps the most distressing thing to come out of this is that one of the not-so-secret secrets of the DC offices is that the entire Superman line... The entire Superman offices have a no women rule in the thing. Yeah, that's kind of weird. That's really messed up, and are and people are thinking like, is that is that like a human resources thing where it's like, well, if we just don't have any women there, then this guy can't sexually harass anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and if so, wow, is that fucked up? That you would yeah, rather, it, it is totally fucked up. That you would rather have something like that in place than just fire this dude. And then, you know, the allegations got even weirder. Uh, some people were theorizing the only reason this dude is keeping his job at all is because he has a certain amount of blackmail information on either DiDio or Jim Lee or someone else in power. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a really ugly story, and it's still kind of ongoing right now. And again, it's it's a much more serious topic than we normally cover here on the Comic Multiverse, but I figure, you know, I should probably mention it at some point, because if I didn't, people would ask, hey, why didn't you mention it? Uh, there's, a, uh, there's a lot of great articles out there, like I said, on Bleeding Cool and The Beat, if uh, you care enough to go read it and educate yourself on it. I'm not going to pass judgment either way, because there's a lot of stuff we don't know. All I'll know is, if all I will say is, if true, you should probably work on that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Should probably not let a serial sexual harasser uh, stay in power at a place of authority and everything and let this shit continue right. to happen. It's even more distressing because this is kind of becoming a theme for the comic industry, not even just at DC, although admittedly you hear shit at DC all the more often, like guys like Scott Lobdell and everything else. You'll remember not too long ago on the Marvel side of things, uh, everyone was pointing fingers at Nathan Edmondson, right? Yep, yep. And that kind of went away. 
Mm-hmm. Everyone kind of quieted down on that one, and that went away, and we haven't heard any more allegations yet. But uh, yeah, this not a cool story, guys. Not not cool, if true, is all I'll say. <laughs> yeah, it, and it's weird as well thinking of like like sexual harassment in comic the comic industry. It's just it's so weird. It's like you would think, hey, you know, we write about heroes who are paragons of you know honor and virtue. And all this other stuff. How how could you let something like this happen in your company, especially in the Superman offices? Superman would not be okay with this. <laughs> no, he would not. Superman would fly around the Earth super fast and make sure none of this happened. <laughs> super Superman would not be okay with this. Su- Superman is disappointed, son. He's very disappointed. So I mean, obviously, we'll we'll keep you posted on this one, and we'll see what happens with this story as it develops. Just you know, that's that's just what the news was this week. Uh, and and kind of onto lighter news, and this is yet another one that we totally missed, but it's one that kind of kind of ties in in a weird way. Uh, you know who Gerard Way is, right, Matt? Uh, yes, I think so. Yeah, he's the lead singer of My Chemical Romance. He's been in a couple movies here and there. He's also very big into comics. I think he wrote Umbrella Academy, was like his claim to fame. That was his little, like, gothy, emo, indie comic that he did that people quite enjoyed. Well, he's getting some major work from DC now because he's getting to launch his own imprint called the Young Animal Imprint, which, that's a weird name. It, it Yeah, it is. I remember reading it and thinking... What's this print? This is what hipster print or something. <laughs> but then again, hey, you know what? From the from the guy who called his band My Chemical Romance, and from the guy who called his own comic uh, Umbrella Academy, it doesn't seem that weird in retrospect. True. Uh, actually, you know, I I had been aware of Gerard Way's comic stuff for a bit because there's a great interview out there uh, where he it was like him and uh, Grant Morrison actually having like a conversation, having like a TED talk basically between them. Cool. And uh, what I mentioned about this is because some of the books that they're talking about bringing back for Young Animal, which seem to be in continuity but not in continuity, include stuff like Grant Morrison-ish takes on stuff like Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol is finally getting a book, but it's not for the main DC imprint, it's for this Young Animal imprint. Yeah, it's it's really weird. I think it's one of those creativity over continuity things. I get, it seems so weird because they tried so hard, or at least Jeff Johns tried so hard in his own book, to set up a version of uh like yeah. a version of the Doom Patrol in the main universe and I kept thinking like okay any day now they're going to get a book and they didn't. Yeah, now they've just shuttled them off into this little indie uh universe sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, it's now, weird. That being said, like I'll totally read Doom Patrol. I'm down for it. And again, along with just launching the imprint, Gerard Way seems to be writing most of these books too. Yeah, he's writing like how many were released? There was like 6 or 7 and he's writing like at most least of 5 them. of them. There's Doom Patrol, which is written by him for sure. There's Shade the Changing Girl, which is obviously a take on Shade the Changing Man. Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye, which again, more weird, trippy comics. Mother Panic, which looks even weirder because this one seems to take place in Gotham, and Mother Panic, who I know very little about, is wearing a Batman-ass costume. Yeah, I, I, I saw that one, and I thought like, oh, it's in continuity, I guess, then. And my my yeah, thing, I'm like, I'm like, yeah. wait, Mother Panic, is this a throwback to something? Do I not know my old Vertigo as well as I think I do? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's an interesting line, but I bring it up because, you know, it's funny that they're re, uh, like rejiggering the Vertigo line, and meanwhile, here's this brand new imprint from this celebrity writer who is tackling a bunch of Vertigo-esque characters and Vertigo, you know, stuff like that. Ain't, ain't that weird? It is. It's really weird. 
it's it's like, do we not trust our own brand anymore or something? Or do we just need to make something so fresh? Or, God forbid, should this screw up? Should we be able to, like, distance ourselves from it and be like, well, that wasn't us. That was Gerard Way and his line, not us. Yeah, or, or like, even, like, put my conspiracy hat on. Maybe this has something to do with that whole sexual harassment thing we were talking about with the wild storm uh with the vertigo stuff mm. they're rebranding it so it doesn't have to do with vertigo so they don't get that bad press Ooh, like maybe they knew it was going to come out at some point or yeah something, or they didn't want to cast yeah. a shot i don't know man i don't know you could say that i don't know Again, yeah. conspiracy hats are solely on. Uh, uh, I mean, like, I'm interested in some of these books. I mean, I, I can't say I've read anything from Gerard Way. I've just heard him talk about comics and everything, and he seemed passionate about it and whatnot. I guess it's just cool that Doom Patrol is getting something now, because that's one of those weird, off-kilter teams that I always wanted to read more about. Yeah, it's DC's X-Men. Yeah, DC's X-Men, more or less, which which is totally a missed opportunity, where it's like, come on, guys, you couldn't do something with your own X-Men team? <laughs> I'm sure I've mentioned it before, but one of my favorite crossovers is actually a Secret Six Doom Patrol crossover. Nice. They're fighting each other, and they're like, look, why are we fighting each other? We're the freak outcast villains, and you're the freak outcast heroes. We should be working together, man. <laughs> the Justice League doesn't respect you in the same way the Secret Society of Supervillains doesn't respect us. <laughs> Let, let's team up and be BFFs. They didn't, but it's a fun story. <laughs> Uh, moving on to uh, with other stories we had going on, uh, I can't I can't believe this map. You and I never talked about the Doctor Strange trailer when it was new. I know it was weird. It, it fell on a really weird day. It though. did. It did. It was like the day before, and I think I had already typed up my news, and it just kind of slipped my mind when Showtime started. Yeah. Uh, what'd you think? Oh, it looks fucking trippy. It looks incredibly trippy. What I really liked about it and what I was sure to tweet about is if they didn't slap that Marvel logo onto it, you would pretty much have no way of knowing that it was a Marvel movie. Yeah, yeah. I know, like, some people I go and do TV with, they, they, they saw it and they didn't think it was a Marvel movie. It does not look like your traditional superhero movie, and I think that's actually a very good thing. I know. it's it, Like, Marvel Studios has done, like, all their movies are a genre with superheroes yes. in them. So like we have Ant-Man which is a heist thriller mm. with a superhero, Iron Man Captain which is America. A yeah. All these and so I guess this one's sort of like a magic horror fantasy. Yeah, which I mean superhero. Yeah, which I mean they got a horror movie director to do it, so I mean that's kind of perfect. And also looks to be a lot of reality bending involved which strengthens I know a theory that's been out there that we'll probably see an infinity stone in there and I imagine it's going to be the reality one now because it's all about bending realities a la, you know, Inception. Yeah, well, a lot of people suspect that um, Stranger's Eye of Agamotto is actually a reality gem. That would make a lot of sense. So, yeah, that's going to be pretty awesome. It is. Benedict Cumberbatch, I don't know if you were as shocked as I was that, you know, he's doing an American accent, because I assume if you get a British actor like that, it's like, okay, be, be proper and be British. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't play a British Doctor Strange. I mean, obviously, Doctor Strange is from America. He lives in New York. That's where the Sanctum Sanctorum is. Yeah, so if and I, it was really weird because his voice sounded like House. Yeah, a little bit, TV. little bit, which, you know, is funny because you could talk about, like, the lineage of Sherlock to Dr. House to Sherlock yeah. Holmes and everything. Yeah. And how it's all kind of connected and how they're all the same sort of, I'm a total asshole, but I'm also the smartest guy in the room, so you have to respect me types. <laughs> yeah. Then again, you gotta wonder if there's, like, uh, if reality bending and different Earths are to play a part 
in this movie. W- wouldn't it be funny if they all go to the British verse where he does get to just talk normally? <laughs> the British verse. Every character is British. Every character is British. And the national uh, currency is just bags of tea. <laughs> and Benedict Cumberbatch is like, this place is too weird. I want out. <laughs> yeah, I want to go home. It was also a pretty reserved trailer, too. They show him, they show the Ancient One, they show, uh, I guess, Baron Mordu. They don't show Wong, they don't really show the Sanctorum, they don't even show the costume, they just show him from behind. That's re- that's really what a teaser trailer should be. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they didn't like go full out and, uh, you know, Batman versus Superman trailer it, where they show everything and bad guys and everything. It's just enough to draw you in. Yeah, and definitely to get people interested. And I think they are interested now, where it's like, you know, what is this thing? And how and yeah. how does Iron Man tie into this thing? Yeah, it looks so weird. How does Iron Man tie into this weird Inception world? This weird bearded wizard man. And weird bald Tilda Swinton. <laughs> which which actually does kind of bring me to the next uh, to the next piece of news here, which I kind of bottled together, so it was actually fitting that we talked about the trailer now. Uh, R- Robert Cargill, who is the writer of the Doctor Strange movie, uh, you may actually know him as Massaworm over on Ain't It Cool News, because before becoming a movie writer, he was actually a movie critic. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, d- d- dude's a friggin' unicorn, man. I followed his work forever from Ain't It Cool News to Spill... To now writing this movie and like like you gotta show respect because it's like wow man that that never happens that's like a one in a million shot from writing yeah. about movies to writing movies uh he did a interview for the double toasted youtube channel and website which is double toasted for those of you who don't know that's what that's what spill.com became is yep. the thing for those of you who are fans and he uh talked about the movie he talked about everything that was going on it was a great interview and he uh the biggest thing that he talked about and the thing that made a lot of articles and a lot of news pieces was he actually tackled the whole ancient controversy and why they did end up choosing tilda swinton and why that happened uh, did, did you get a chance to read this man did you get a chance to watch this i did and i think he was very articulated in how he went about deciding that factor of the movie. Uh, you know, I was with him for like a good 95% of what he was saying, how he went on about how, uh, you know, obviously with a character like the Ancient, you run into a lot of the same problems that you ran into with someone like, uh, I was, I was going to say Fu Manchu, and I'm like, no, he's not Fu Manchu, it's uh, the Mandarin. <laughs> but I mean, really, Fu Manchu, the Mandarin. Where it's like, no matter what you do with that character, you're probably going to be wrong and you're probably going to make people angry regardless. Yeah. Because the Ancient One and the Mandarin, whether we like to admit it or not, were racist caricatures when they were created. And obviously, yep. as comic fans, over time, we've had a chance to change that and a chance to compartmentalize that and a, uh, you know a chance to deal with that and everything. But for like a new movie audience, you don't want to freak them out too much. And uh, obviously one of the big complaints with the Ancient One is, well, isn't this stealing a job from a hardworking Asian actor who could pull this off? And to which uh, Cargill said, you know, well, not only is the Ancient One Asian, but they're Tibetan. I mean, what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to uh, cast a prominent Chinese actor in that role? No, of course not. That would be horrible. That that in itself would also be a bit racist as well, because you're thinking, like, a Tibetan is just, oh, he's just a Chinese guy, you know? Yeah, saying that would be even more racist and offensive, and especially because, you know, the long 
uh, animosity between uh, the Chinese and the Tibet people and everything. And he said yeah. to us, like, no, do we ca uh, cast a Tibetan actor and do we get really political with it? Even though doing so could probably make it so that our movie couldn't be shown in China, which is the second biggest movie market in the world. You know, would we be willing to fall on that landmine? And he said that him and Scott Derrickson eventually settled, okay, you know what, if we're going to get in trouble no matter what we do with this, let's just cast a really cool uh, female actress who we like. And so that's why they went ahead with Tilda Swinton. Yeah, and really, like, it doesn't really matter in the long run because it's the ancient one. Ancient one's like this magical, mystical being. It can be whatever it wants. Exactly. That's just, well. I, I know. I always mention. I always bring it back to Venture Brothers. I love Venture Brothers. Ancient one stand-in character voiced by H. Uh, John Benjamin, who is just yeah. constantly changing shapes at all time. Yeah. One. He's like a three-headed dog, and then he's Santa. Yeah. Yeah, Santa and he's Santa. Yeah. He's Byron Orpheus's ex-wife, Byron Orpheus, who is just that show's version of Doctor Strange. <laughs> But yeah, I was with him 95% of the way, and then he said some other stuff where I'm like, oh, you should have worded that better, or oh, you maybe shouldn't have used that word, and I think that's why a lot of people were getting mad at him this week. I, I say, much like the other story, make up your mind for yourself. I'm just, you know, reporting the news. Go go, go watch the Double Toasted interview. It's a great interview, and uh, make up your mind for yourself if you are so interested. But yeah, like I said, I was with him for 95% of what he said and saying how, you know, it's, it's an uphill battle. And really, it's so funny that in Marvel, we've had two of those cases. We've had the Mandarin and we've had the Ancient One. Yeah. I, I wonder, too, if the Ancient One will end up like, like the Mandarin in the way where it's like, wow, this, this was a great character and, you know, a great new direction for but, you know, it, it didn't have the name of what I want. Although that's not true because she is going to be called the Ancient One, so I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be weird. It, it is going to be weird. I like Tilda Swinton. She's a good actress. I've, I've been on the side of that casting for a while. But, you know, e either way, let's, uh, let's move on from there to our final news story. And, oh, man, friggin' Showtime came quicker than I thought. Uh, the final X-Men trailer came out today. I, I, I didn't watch it yet. Oh, it's, it's, it's not really an X-Men trailer. It's like X-Men, Jennifer Lawrence's life. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you know, they do write those movies dependent on who's up at the moment, and Jennifer Lawrence is very up at the moment. It, it, she's so up that she is now the leader of the X-Men. Is Mystique really the leader of the X-Men? Yes. That's amazing. Yes. From never being an X-Men in the comics to now I lead the X-Men. This, this whole trailer is based around her deciding to be the leader of the X-Men, and it's like full of like dialogue that's like really choppy trailer dialogue. Right. and Yeah. Like, don't yeah. get me wrong, I'm excited for Apocalypse, especially after a certain other big comic book blockbuster. I don't see how it could be any worse. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think it will do just a fine job, and honestly, after something like that, just a fine job is good enough for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not not everyone needs to change the game, Matt. Not every uh, comic book movie needs to be a, a consummate game changer. Sometimes, if you're just, you know, adequate, if you just do the job right, and there's some cool shit in there. The Blob is going to be there. We saw that. Yeah, and Wolverine. And Wolverine. Okay, see, I was gonna, I was gonna end with that, but yeah, I never watched. I didn't watch the trailer, but my entire feed was filled with Wolverine claws. So, what looked to be the only movie where we weren't gonna get Wolverine, he's gonna be in it. And what what really surprised me is the trailer. Like we only got that one shot of him. I'm surprised they didn't, you know, have him in most of the trailer. <laughs> they're learning slowly but surely. They're learning. I think it's going to be a cameo, though, considering how little we've seen him and everything else. I'm going to guess it's a cameo. Yeah, and that also I also brought this up after I watched the trailer. So like at the end of Days of Futures Past, 
Mystique is the one who pretends to be Striker and gets Wolverine into the Weapon Plus program, but here she's good guy, X-Men leader. Well, she, so, she, she yeah. did it because she knew it had to happen and he needed to get the metal on his bones for time to make sense. But how'd she know? But she was the, in Days of Futures Past, Mystique was the old Mystique, the 60s Mystique. She didn't know about Wolverine. I didn't even think they like knew about each other. Mystique also has the power to see the future now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't surprise you. Know, considering that she was the plot device in Days of Futures Past, I would not put it past Brian seeing it. It's like, oh, now she can see the future. You, you see, because turning into people mean, means you, you know what's going to happen with those people. <laughs> and just, just, you just got to stretch the power. You just got to stretch the power for as long as it'll go is what you got to do. Yeah. And I guess she's not Nightcrawler's mother anymore either. No, I guess not, because now they're the same age. Uh, That's it. Retcons are weird. Time travel is weird. Comics are weird. Yeah. I, I bet Cyclops dies in the movie as well. <laughs> Wouldn't that be the ultimate kick in the junk? Here, we reset time. We brought back all the X-Men you like, including Cyclops dead again. <laughs> well, I saw this picture, and I, I found it fucking hilarious. It was like a banner, and it was um, Cyclops using his... Uh, his rays, but <laughs> Jean Grey was standing behind him and like holding his head like a gun, <laughs> like 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 position like like turning his head to where she wants it to be fired. I thought that was hilarious. That would that would be perfectly fitting because they're downplaying Cyclops's importance in the comics right now too. Even the young Cyclops, who they bent over backwards to make sure he was the only Cyclops, now now he's starting to not do anything. <laughs> there there was a great the newest issue. It, you know, he's all hurt in the hospital because he had a fight with Toad and everything. Yes, he got beaten up by Toad. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, he's leader, right? So what are they going to do? No, Young Beast is actually leader of this team. <laughs> and he starts making a bunch of important decisions. And I'm like, wow, time traveling Scott can't even be leader of his own Young X-Men team. Awesome. <laughs> even in, like, the movie, Beast should be the leader because, like, he was with Charles, like, Three days All of future past and everything, and like looking after the school and everything. But no, 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 no. We'll just get this woman who used to tried to kill the president to be the leader of the yeah. X Men. You know, but she won an Oscar or something. You know. <laughs> Again, like I said, the X Men movies are written to who's doing better right now. You know, if Nicholas Holt's career was doing a little <laughs> hotter right now, I'm sure they'd write the whole movie around him. Oh yeah, definitely. Poor Nicholas Holt. I like him. I I I, I like Nux. He's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing I'm not even going to call Nicholas Holt by his name anymore I'm going to be like yo Nux is in that movie <laughs> witness him come and witness this movie <laughs> get your tickets and witness uh, he, he stars he dies he stars again <laughs> uh, but yeah I mean X-Men should, should be interesting either way I mean, yeah, as you said, it can't be worse than Batman vs. Superman. So. I, I wasn't going to name it, but, you know, you went ahead and named it. Everyone knew what you were talking about. <laughs> hey, it could have been anything. But, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's like I don't want to come off sounding too negative about the X-Men movies. Because I know they're an easy whipping boy. But the fact is, I think they've done, like, they've pulled themselves out of their tailspin. And you got to give them credit for that. Yeah, yeah. And it, they're like the, they do one thing really, really good. And then, they're like, Deadpool. And then they'll, like do some really bad stuff and then good stuff again. It's like one step forward, two steps back. 
it, it, it also really seems to me that like they're writing this movie to try and please and appease fans where it's like look apocalypse you've been asking for him forever you know oh hey look psylocke and all these other mutants you've been asking for forever are in the movie and you know and costumes are in the movie I bet Cyclo- uh, Cy- uh, Psylocke is in the movie for about five minutes. Feels that way, yeah. Because we've only ever seen that one shot of her cutting that car in half. Yep. But poor Olivia Munn, what will she do now? <laughs> but maybe she can get back together with Kevin Pereira and they can relaunch Attack of the Show 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all I ever see. That's all I ever see when I look at Olivia Munn. Just, you know, just around the net, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that she acted and stuff. Actually, she was in yeah. uh, she, she was in Iron Man too, wasn't she? For like a split second, back when she was working on Tech TV. Yeah, she was like some presenter or something. Yeah, she was a uh, yeah, she was uh, a reporter lady. And I like there was a bunch of rumors around her. It's like, no, she's actually this character. <laughs> actually, you know, hey, you can start making that rumor now, everybody, that Psylocke actually was in Iron Man because they're the same actress. So there you go. <laughs> Also, here's don't another... start people on that. Start people start making like explained videos on that now. Also, hey, here's another freebie for you. A nice, good clickbaity uh, freebie. Powers Booth is actually the same character in everything he's ever been in. <laughs> he's the same character as in Shield that he was in Sin City, and <laughs> mm-hmm. Senator Rourke is actually a distant relative to the Malik family, as you see. <laughs> the, the the Rourke Maliks is what they're called. So as you can see, all of Powers Booth's uh, roles, they're all connected. <laughs> That's such a great name, Powers Booth. It really is, man. What what a great character actor that is. And what an amazing voice he has. You can see why he's so good in animation. Yeah. Again, not to spoil newer episodes of S.H.I.E.L.D., but, I, but, but, I, but I'm sad about his fate. Because <laughs> I wanted to keep watching him. Uh, he'll come back. Heck, he was uh, he was in Moonbeam City for a minute too. He played the mayor EO Jackson. Oh, no, awesome! Get it like Captain EO, like the Michael Jackson yeah. thing. He was in yeah. a Hitman video game. He was, of course, in Avengers, as we mentioned before. Yep. He, he was in MacGruber. I forgot he played the Colonel Trapman guy in MacGruber. <laughs> he was oh, he was on Twenty Four for a few seasons. He was on Deadwood. He's he's been on everything. Yeah, he was Lex Luthor in that terrible Brainiac attack short, but he was also Gorilla Grodd oh. in all the awesome episodes of Justice League. <laughs> D- dude is DC and comic book royalty. That man, he gets around. He does. Th- thus concludes the power bo- powers booth segment of this show. <laughs> Be sure yeah, to come back. Join in next week <laughs> when we also talk about how great Powers Booth is and how we would love to meet him. <laughs> does he do the con circuit, Powers Booth, or is he too busy acting and stuff to do the con circuit? I don't know. He's probably appeared here and there, but yeah, I don't I, know. I imagine so. It's like he's one of those actors where it's like he's a really well-respected character actor who does nerdy stuff, but he's not like a nerd celebrity. Yeah. He's, he's, he's one of them. Uh, well, geez, I guess with that out of the way, we can uh, talk about what we read this week. I had another big, meaty week, Matt. How about you? Kinda. Kinda, sorta. A L- lot of events was my thing. All my events are piling up now, and I'm really starting to feel the pinch, but I probably won't after Wednesday because a bunch of them are coming to an end. Yeah, yeah, standoff is coming to an end. Yeah, and what an event it has been, yo. It's It was pretty cool. It has been really cool. I especially liked that uh, that last issue, which, which you know, hey, let's let's just friggin' talk about it. Uh, Captain America, Sam Wilson, number eight, the penultimate 
uh, tie-in issue to stand off, and also the only other one written by Nick Spencer, who is the architect of this overall event. So if you were wondering what books you absolutely had to read to understand standoff, it's the Captain America ones. Yeah, and of the two that were out this week, this one was probably the most relevant. Yes, it was. The new Avengers one was okay, but that one really lost the lead of the tie and just started doing its own thing. The Captain America one was super relevant. It was, and it was really cool as well, since we got Steve Rogers back as Captain America, quote-unquote. Yeah, he's, he's young again, but but he's not ready to take the mantle back. I mean, obviously he will, because he's going to have his own Captain America book that's already been slated. But yep. yes, Sam is unsure of his place in the legacy of Captain America, and he talks it out with Bucky, who has a lot of great stuff to say on the matter, because he's been there. Yeah, he's had the pretty much exact same thing happen to him. Yeah. His history is repeating itself in a really funny way. Uh, we also get some great D-list villains working for Zemo in this issue. You got, like, Cutthroat and Jackal and Lantern and freaking Bushwhacker, man. They worked Bushwhacker in. <laughs> and, and and the Fast Five, who are the fans fast, of Vin Diesel. Yeah, man, they must be big Vin Diesel fans, these Fast Five. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, apparently the one lady S.H.I.E.L.D. agent is looking for the special weapons cache. Is, is she a character in the Sam Wilson book that I didn't know about? Because she, she was featured quite prominently in these last two. I don't know. Yeah, these are the only two Captain America books I've read, so yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. same here. I kept meaning to read it because I really love Nick Spencer, and I'm going to fillet him later in the episode when I talk about how much I loved this new week's Ant-Man, but yeah. Yeah, it was a pretty cool book, and um, <laughs> I love the part with Craven. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> that reminds me why Craven is my favorite Spider-Man villain in this issue. Yeah, no, no, like, was this his first appearance in a while? Because like the way they like showed him, it, it kind of felt like an appearance. Like, oh, this Craven's here. Like, I, no one I, suspected. I thought it was. Here's the thing: I assumed Craven was dead, and a bunch of people in the comment section yeah. assumed Craven was still dead. No, he came back to life in a bunch of Spider-Man books. None of us were reading, apparently. Oh, okay, then, cool. They brought him back to life. What I love, too, is that obviously because all the supervillains have like really menial jobs within Pleasant Hill. He was the zookeeper. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was awesome. I'm like, that's brilliant. It's, I love it's not only enough S.H.I.E.L.D. had to lock people up and give them, like, fake existences. They had to give them ironic fake existences. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make the Red Skull a priest. <laughs> that's funny. Let's make Craven think that he's a zookeeper. <laughs> what about Crossbones? Eh, trucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hillbilly trucker. Yeah, hillbilly trucker. There you go. Can you play that part? I think he can play that part. Uh, yeah, but his role in this was great, setting up that birthday party in the woods for Kobik. He's like, da, comrade, what, what is one bit that no child can resist? Birthday party with presents and cake and also tea set. Now we wait. <laughs> <laughs> Just a big, greasy Russian man in the woods. Now we wait. <laughs> Sergei Kravna is greatest hunter ever. will hunt small child. <laughs> I say in my review, I'm like, dude, th this birthday party trap, this is just like a step above having a white panelless van. <laughs> well, that, that's the secret. Like, next issue, we're going to see him, like, like shove her into a van. <laughs> it's like all the other heroes have, like, Batmobiles and Aeromobiles. Craven has the kidnapping mobile that's just a white <laughs> van. Yeah, a white windowless van. <laughs> Duh, come to Craven's free candy van. <laughs> <laughs> where nothing bad ever happens man i bet craven would have a sick ass van it would probably have like leopard print and everything on it yeah it's got like an airbrush 
uh, like picture of him like wrestling a tiger or yep. something on the side of yep. it. Because it would be like a Rush album cover just with him fighting yeah. a tiger. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> the, I paint mirror myself is good, nah? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Craven, you so crazy. But yeah, th that, that one was interesting. The other time was New Avengers number 10, which, man, I, I will say this for standoff. You can't say it didn't have long-reaching events in all these different Avengers books. They basically blow up the New Avengers team in this issue. Yeah, and as, as you said before, it didn't really have anything to do with Pleasant Hill. It was really doing its own thing. I, I mean, really, the only thing that tied it to the event was Rick Jones because they were harboring yeah. him. Rick Jones literally fucks off near the end of the book, assumedly to come play a part in the finale. Yeah, well, I think he was on the cover of the finale. So, yeah, he's going back to Pleasant Hill while the other ones uh, retreated to Avenger 2, which yes. is like another island where Cannonball's hanging out. In in the Savage Lands, which is funny. I know you haven't been reading the Uncanny X-Men book, but Magneto's new base of operations is also in the Savage Lands. Oh, everyone likes Savage Land all of a sudden. I, I joked in my thing. I'm like, okay, so you mean to tell me that Sunspot and Magneto are now literally neighbors? They're, like, waving at each other when they go get their mail in the morning. Howdy, neighbor. <laughs> yeah, like, I need a cup of sugar. <laughs> it's like, hmm, what will we do, evil mutants? I know, let's let's go next door and ask those AIM guys if they can give us some sugar. <laughs> also, I think you may have tapped into my Wi-Fi accidentally. <laughs> oh, sorry about yeah, he, he that. He just becomes, um... What's the Doctor Strange character in Adventure Brothers? Oh, Byron Orpheus. Doctor Morpheus. Yeah, Orpheus. He just he becomes, just becomes Orpheus. <laughs> I would love that so much if those books started crossing over and characters were just walking over. Oh, sorry, I walked too far into your base. <laughs> Man, is it weird? You, we have the same real estate agent, don't we? <laughs> oh, God, there's a book right there. Super villain, superhero, real estate agent who keeps selling bases to everybody. That'd be amazing. Man, you'll love this property. It's so great. The Masters of Evil used to hang out here. <laughs> I promise no less than ten people have been killed in the basement. <laughs> there, there's still some henchman blood you gotta spray off, and that's fine. It's a great value. <laughs> but yeah, that book was interesting, and I counted, too. Uh, since that New Avengers tie-in started, uh, they lost five members off their team. Really? Yeah, uh, they dumped a Hulkling, Wiccan, and Squirrel Girl at the beginning of it, literally in the middle yep. of the desert. And then they lost uh, Hawkeye and Songbird. Yeah, true. Yeah, so they lost five members to that. Cannonball is joining the team now because he's Sunspot's friend, obviously. And he mm -hmm. said our next step is Operation Secret Avengers. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. So the book's, I guess, going to be coming Secret Avengers. Or, well, I think they're going to keep the titling the same, but I think they're just going to, like, do a, do a drive for new members. Yeah, the new Secret Avengers. <laughs> yeah, the new Secret Nonstop Avengers. <laughs> That's my subtitle I would have, Nonstop Avengers. <laughs> Avengers 2 Electric Boogaloo, the series. <laughs> uh, what else did you have happening this week, Matt? Uh, I had Hercules issue six. Oh yes, you're still. I, I keep buying the issues, but I haven't read them yet. Although I feel I should start because Hercules canceled or not canceled, no one can seem to tell us one way or the other. Some people say yes, some people say no. He is getting a Civil War tie-in. I can tell you, this was the final book. Okay, this was the last one for reals. Yeah, because Dan Abnett actually tweeted me and said he. I'm. He said. He's glad that I enjoyed the series. Oh, that's nice. Dan Abnett's a sweet guy. When when he's not going on weird tirades about Jon Stewart, he's a sweet guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean Jon Stewart the comedian, not Jon Stewart the comic book character. I know that's a little confusing. <laughs> uh, but this issue is really cool. Uh, 
kind of sad if they don't um, mention about what happens at the end of this book in the Civil War time, which I think is called Gods of War. Is uh, is Abnett writing that? I don't know. I just know it was sort of like the cover was teased at the end of this issue. Oh, that's good. I mean, at least they get one more kind of. Yeah, this issue saw – it was kind of like a celebratory issue. Where they've just defeated – the new guys were defeated by running them out of town, basically. <laughs> Ran them out on a rail. So so Hercules invites, like, all his friends back to, like, his place for dinner. And they're, like, talking and everything. And then Hercules goes and he texts Iron Man. <laughs> and Tony Stark arrives and they, like, have a talk and everything. And Iron Man sort of get, gets him really mad and everything by saying that he's immortal so he doesn't know what consequences are right which is actually brilliant because he doesn't because he, he runs headfirst into battles it's and everything true. doesn't think about anything or anything and they, they end up leaving kind of not friends they they both leave angry but we find out that iron man wasn't actually iron man it was that new god mm. who's been causing all this trouble he, he pretended to be iron man and the conversation was so bad for Hercules, it drove him to drink again. Oh, no. that's not, I, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, yes, Dan Abnett will be writing The Gods of War. Yes. That's good. So so I, that makes me want to catch up all the more then so I can enjoy Gods of War and probably even review it. Oh, you totally should. It's su- such a good book. I, I was loving it. It was right at the top of one of my lists of new favorites. And as always with series, Joel loves favorites and tries to champion. They <laughs> die. <laughs> Apparently, my love is a curse. <laughs> Wouldn't you know it? Uh, yeah. Speaking of books that I love that my love might be a curse, uh, I was really digging on Power Man and Iron Fist, issue number three that came out this week. Cool. Uh, have, you, have you been keeping up with it? I haven't, no. If you love black exploitation movies and if you love Shaft, you will love this. And in fact, I felt really dumb because I said in my first review, man, this book is great. It has a total Shaft feeling of this. I had no idea that David Walker, the guy who writes Power Man and Iron Fist, also writes the Shaft comic. Oh, really? Yes. And also, oh, like, that's dude, awesome. I'm also like, dude, there's a Shaft comic out there? How am I not reading <laughs> The Adventures of Shaft? <laughs> He's a bad motherfucker. Watch your mouth. <laughs> Just talking about Shaft. Uh, this was cool because uh, they, they needed to learn the secrets of the super soul stone that has been affecting their friend Genie, so they go to Doctor Strange for help. Cool. Because of course they do, because Doctor Strange has a movie coming out. He needs to be in everything he possibly can. <laughs> and Doctor Strange basically said, oh, you know, I've mastered all magics in the universe, but I've never heard of this super soul stone thing. This this sounds like some ghetto shit to me. Uh, he didn't say, he didn't really say that, but that's what he meant. <laughs> that would have been amazing if he said that. <laughs> so, so to get the real lowdown on the super stone, they have to go to Senor Magico, who runs a sleazy pawn shop, and he's basically Doctor Strange's non-denominational Hispanic counterpart. <laughs> and he tells them, yeah, man, the Super Soul Stone, that's street magic, man. <laughs> <laughs> street magic? That's street magic the white man doesn't know about. <laughs> and I'm like, that's kind of amazing. <laughs> uh, well, what is it, like, made from? It's, they don't say. They, bas- they more or less say it's like an infinity stone, but for black people. <laughs> And that's why it's been around for so long. I, th- I think he seeks to imply that the stone is what gave Run DMC their power. <laughs> it gave them soul, quite literally. But even uh, though, that's amazing. Even though the stone gives you amazing power, it will slowly kill you over time. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, is that why all great soul artists died young? Aw. 
<laughs> because they had a magic stone. <laughs> and the whole time, too, uh, Danny Rand being the dumb white person in the issue is like, I don't know, man. I don't think the super soul, soul stone exists. If Doctor Strange doesn't know about it, then it's probably not real. <laughs> <laughs> and Luke is like, no, trust me, it's real. We just got to go somewhere else. <laughs> oh, also, uh, Jessica Jones has put this thing in where Luke can't swear around the baby, but she swears all the time, and she totally curses Danny out in this issue. It's hilarious. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, Power Man and Iron Fist is great. If you're excited for either of these characters' Netflix shows, please go and support this book now while you can. So in you know four or five months, I don't come here and be like, oh, no, they canceled Power Man and Iron Fist, and it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I even say that at the end of my review. I'm like, please don't let what happened, or, you know, please don't let this book happen the same way what happened with All Star Western and Batwing and Talon and Fearless Defenders and She Hulk <laughs> and all these other books I love that died on the vine. And I guess Hercules, you can add to that list now, too. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that, that was Power Man and Iron Fist. What else did you have happening, Matt? I had Uncanny Inhumans issue seven. Oh yeah, that's on my pile. I haven't read it. This is this is the continuation of uh, of the Capo and all that other stuff, right? Yeah, this is the final issue in that whole quiet room sort of story they were doing, and which what a it was cool kind of arc. like an yeah, it was a brilliant arc. It was kind of like a kind of like a CSI episode. This issue we had um oh what's the guy's name Nur I think his name his eye his power his inhuman powers basically his eyes. A giant camera flash bulbs, and oh, he can wow. like capture an image and That's keep it cool. in his head. And he's the detective, and he's there at the the club, sort of uh, doing this job for the uh, who are they? The Enelux guys who lost their antigen, right? Which was I, stolen by uh, that fox lady who was Charles Soule's other creation from his yeah. uh, Wolverine's run. <laughs> yeah, and. They track it down to where the Capo is, and the Capo is like this demon guy who can like jump from body to body. Right, they fought him in just in humans when that started, and they defeated him. Yeah, so they fight him again, and of course, like Rita was the one to kill him, so Rita knows who he is and everything. Mm. Uh, and Rita's dog, I can't forget his name. I can't remember it. What it it's is? Something but French. Yeah, it gets possessed by him and runs off. Oh so no! Capo escapes and. Leader doesn't know. Uh, Rita doesn't know what to do and everything because his dog is gone. Damn. Uh, but yeah, it was a pretty cool issue, and it ends with uh, Ahura becoming the leader and CEO of Enelux. Oh, that's cool. That's a nice. Uh, that's a nice uptake for her. Him. Him. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. Oh, oh, yep. oh, I was thinking. Yeah, I'm thinking of the freaking Disney princess for a second. <laughs> I, I just love that. Like the reason he becomes it is because he got bored being on his own and not having his father come down. To, have dinner with him that he went around the club and just sort of chatted up everyone yeah and 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 that's what made him become the ceo like he was just talking with everyone man he's the ultimate neglected child there uh the one of black bolt and medusa there they're all dating and starting businesses and fucking around he's just like why can't the family get together for dinner anymore man What's, what's up with that shit? I feel for that kid, man. My heart goes out to that kid. He is he is like the friggin' droopy dog of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, I'm going to show my father. I'm going to become CEO of the company he destroyed. Yeah, of this potentially evil corporation. <laughs> Are you proud now, Dad? What about now, Dad? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> no, I won't go to bed or eat my green vegetables. You can't. I'm a CEO, damn it. <laughs> It's kind of hard to ground your kid when he's a CEO. Hey, kid, take out the garbage. No, fuck you, I'm a CEO. 
<laughs> I got stock options, bitch. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> now I'm just writing a totally different book now. And then they got, all, all got to go on Maury and Dr. Phil to work through their issues. <laughs> Look, now, now Blackguard, what you're saying. Like, just say something to me, father. Yeah, really. Man, you have such a problem with communication, dad. Why? <laughs> right, writes on a speaking spell because my voice can literally destroy the entire universe. <laughs> Look, look, I just, I, li- I like that, that that's his character, that he can't speak or he'll kill everybody, but he also clearly has a problem with communication at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be one thing, like, if he was just constantly chatting away on the speaking spell or something, or just, I imagine Black Bolt texts a lot, is the thing. I imagine he's really big on texting. <laughs> <laughs> What's the problem, smiley face winky emoji? <laughs> <laughs> Have no fear, Black Bolt is here, smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> just constantly typing away on his phone. Now that's some fan art right there, texting Black Bolt. <laughs> oh man, I'm over my minutes for this month. You would think being the king, I'd have unlimited minutes, but no. Uh... <laughs> I'm on a pay-as-you-go plan. Jeez. <laughs> uh, 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 another book I'm sure we both read this week, Superman American Alien, number six. Yeah, that was a pretty interesting one. Very interesting. It's the penultimate issue, and you're like, okay, what are they going to pull out for here? Because they pulled out so many stops. What they end up giving us is a really, like, low-key, very, like, downplayed kind of issue where it's Superman trying to entertain his two friends coming in from Metropolis. Yeah, the the thing, this one, I liked it, but it felt the most Max Landis issue out of all the other issues? Because he was clearly writing himself and his friends. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's clearly Like, what like Clark writing. and that don't go to bloody hipster photo galleries and visit a very effeminate Jimmy Olsen. And, well, you know, it's yeah. funny. I'm surprised more people didn't blow their top over that thing, what with the internet being the way it is. A lot of people were weirdly more okay with this than they were with uh, Black Jimmy for the Supergirl TV show, which I find hilarious. I guess because they're very well aware that this is an Elseworld, I guess. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I just don't understand, like, why change him? Because like, everyone is changing Jimmy everywhere, apparently. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. There's, like, no need to change him. He's fine as he is, like, yeah. Well, because he needed to be an effeminate black man so they could get them to the art gallery in the first place so they could have art gallery shenanigans. <laughs> it is it, it is a really interesting idea that they're playing with here is that, you know, it's it's the classic, you know, you move from a small town to a big city and all your old high school friends, like, you change, man. You got a swelled ego, man. Yeah, yeah, that's really what this issue was like. It was, but with the added caveat of, like, look, in in this new universe... Everyone in Smallville knows your secret, Clark, and we are terrified not only for you, but for ourselves, because if someone finds out your identity, they will punish all of Smallville for it. Yeah, and also, you know, that there's a difference between Smallville meth addicts and things like Bizarro and, and Parasite and everything. I, yeah. lo- I love that line. Yeah, that's great. That was, that was good stuff. Uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting issue. The one thing I was not expecting is when the friggin' Green Lanterns showed up. Yeah, that really, like, kind of caught me off guard for a little. I thought, like, oh, he's just going to go up to the moon. And, like, I, I originally thought, like, the moon was going to be his Fortress of Solitude. Right. Like, that was where he was going to set it up in this and be a bit different and everything, where he can actually overlook the world and everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, but, yeah, it 
Green Lantern. <laughs> Not just any Green Lantern, Abin Sur, who is still alive at this time, we find out has actually been keeping tabs on Earth and Clark, which makes perfect sense, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Only with the added caveat of, like, look, I couldn't interfere in anything because Earth isn't technically part of Guardian space yet. Yeah, yet. Yet. Man, to think that to think that Abin Sur was so up on everything that was happening with Clark and Earth and everything, but then he died and didn't write this information down for Hal to do anything with. <laughs> Man, Ab- Abin Sur was a shitty bookkeeper, wasn't he? He really needed to write more things down. Yeah, and speaking of like other Justice League members, they mention a bunch of them, and I kind of like I said in my review, I kind of want to see like a, a Max Landis Justice League book. Me too. Hey, you know what? If this one sells a lot, and I feel like it is, maybe we will get some more. Maybe. I like too that it's uh, it's Pete Pete Ross who actually brings up the idea of forming a Justice League type group, where he's like, "Hey, Clark, you know, you're not the only person like you anymore. Maybe you should all get together and form a club." <laughs> Yeah, I liked Pete Ross in this series. Me too. I thought it was really good. I, I mean, well, well, he again, he's in many ways he is the audience. He's the guy speaking and in some cases shouting sense. <laughs> yeah, true. And and also too, you know, he has the added thing, and and we all know this guy, the guy who you went to school with, who had like high aspirations. Who's like, man, when I get out of this dead end town, I'm gonna do this, this, and this. I'm gonna travel around the world. But he never did, and he just started drinking and just you know kind of started being <laughs> shitty. We all know that guy. Yeah. I'm not that guy. I I, I got to do lots of cool things and still stay in my small dead end town. (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm not a drunk like uh, like Pete is. Also, I like to Kenny. Kenny Braveman was the other guy. He was his other friend from school. Yeah, future conduit. Yeah, future guy who will become a super... I wonder if they'll do anything with that by the time this book is over because there's only one more issue. Yeah, and also this issue was really weird because it didn't have the uh, the one the one page backup, which yeah, I, I was quite has been hinting this. at Doomsday. It has been, yeah. Maybe maybe that will be the final one. Maybe they've built him up as much as they need to, and maybe he'll be in the last one. Maybe, yeah. But yeah, I mean, American Alien continues to be great. It's going to read great in trade once it's all done. I mean, r- really awesome Superman story in a time when we're getting a lot of really awesome Superman stories. Wouldn't you agree, Matt? Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. I, I guess from there we can transition over to the other big Superman story this week, which was Action Comics number 51. Yeah, we finally found out what happened to Supergirl. Yeah, it turns out she was busy making her TV show canon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly how I said it last week. She's going to be captured by the DEO, but mm-hmm. she wasn't technically captured. No, she was working with them and Agent Cameron Chase, who hasn't been seen like since Batman number 500 back in the 90s. <laughs> I love that, like, in one page spread, they made the entire Supergirl TV show can. And it's like, hey, here's National City, boom. Here's the DEO, boom. Here's this agent lady, boom. Yeah, it is great. They didn't spend too much time. Like, why wasn't Tomasi writing uh, Savage Dawn? Oh, I know, right? Wouldn't that have been cool? <laughs> he would have He would have gotten the whole story done in, like, a page. Savage Dawn, what a, what a mangle mess with too many writers and too many tie-ins and no, and no solid way to read the whole thing. I like with this new one, you just got a little shield on the cover of each issue that says one, two, yep. three, and lets you know exactly what it is. Yep, that's what Savage Dawn needed. None of this, like, truth and and then justice and, and then lies. Savage Dawn and... Truth, lies, and stuff. videotape. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, cool story. 
again, it's it's all a very like uh, torch passing type thing where he's like, you know, Supergirl, when I die, I want you to become the new hero of Metropolis and you know basically take my place. I believe in you, and as my father Jor-El was with me, so will I be with you. And he becomes like a big like hologram in the fortress. Yeah, of that was that was amazing. That just like why isn't this Superman in the movies? I know, right? Like what a beautiful and again too. It's funny. I never even liked this Superman until this story. Now I'm genuinely sad he's going to die because I'm like, hey, he wasn't so bad. <laughs> what, a, what a great job. They make you love him just in time to kill him. Yeah, and then we got more of that um, mysterious Superman who thinks he's Clark. But clearly isn't. I like he fucks up the, uh, what is it, the, the paper and everything and Lois has to take him down. Yeah, and it, uh, I thought, like, mainly because I saw, like, solicitations, I think this guy is definitely the Eradicator. Mm. He's showing all the signs of it because the Eradicator in, like, the old Superman stories, he actually thought he was Superman. That would be But I cool. guess they're changing it up to make this guy think he's Clark Kent. And and this is Jurgens doing this, and what did Jurgens have a hand in? Yep, Death Superman. And what does he continue to tease for when he takes over Superman? What they're going to revisit? They're going to revisit that point in time. So already putting the Eradicator in there. Ooh, we all might owe Matt a Coke on this one. I think Matt's theory might be right on the money. It feels almost too perfect now. Yeah, this is going to be really interesting. And also like that, that Dr. Omen's, I guess, trying to make her own Superman. So one, And I'm wondering if it might be um, Keenan Kong from the, 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 the Superman. I, I think it has to be at this point. Because she was on the cover of the issue. I, I, I think it has to be him at this point. Yeah, so that's going to be really interesting. That will be. I like they're laying the groundwork for this new Superman already, kind of showing like, hey, when you die, New 52, Clark Kent Superman, you don't have to like uh, just put the, put the load of this important work on Kara because you have a whole league of Superman, like the name Super League that this event yeah. is. Yeah, it's going to be great. You got old 52 Superman and his son who is also super and your cousin and this new Chinese Superman. And then there's Batman over there. <laughs> Batman who's like, I'm in the Super League too. But but why? <laughs> I'm in every I'm, I'm on every team. Yeah, I have to be I'm contractually obliged to be. I am contractually obligated to be in every DC team no matter what. <laughs> oh, okay. Look, uh, but but you see, uh, my schedule means I gotta be all over the place. So I will be here in the Super League uh, Mondays, Tuesdays, but uh, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturday, uh, I'm on the Female Furies as well. <laughs> and, then, and then I gotta go join the Birds of Prey. <laughs> and then, then then weekends, every second weekend is Justice League. Also, also I gotta be on the Suicide Squad too. We gotta figure out how I can be on that team, but I'm gonna be on that team too. <laughs> Jeez, Babbitt, it feels like you're stretching yourself a little too thin. No, no, it's fine. I got it. <laughs> also, I'm gonna de-age myself so I can join the Team Titans. Sorry, Robin, you gotta leave. <laughs> Tell you what, Rob, you can be Batman, and I'll be on the Team Titans. <laughs> Batman must be on all teams <laughs> Ex except for like over in Marvel where Wolverine needs to be on all teams and actually is on all teams <laughs> man, man you gotta give it to old man Logan he's kept it nice and small he's just on one team <laughs> hey you know what they're reforming the new Avengers so maybe he'll be on that team too the new Avengers starring old man Logan <laughs> and Batman and Batman <laughs> yes I cross universes to be on teams now <laughs> the club can't even handle me. No one can hold Batman back. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was that, that was good action. And I guess that will continue in Superman Wonder Woman, which will be this week, I assume. 
Yeah, Wonder Woman pissed at him. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of unstuff said there where it's like, yo, we broke up, and now you're now I'm like the last person you tell you're dying. You, you told Batman before me. <laughs> yeah, you love Batman more than me. <laughs> and Superman's like, well, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, was that a secret? <laughs> I didn't know that was a secret. <laughs> Have you seen him? He's dreamy. <laughs> Uh, man, now we're getting into some Midnighter and Apollo territory now. <laughs> but dumb Tish. Uh, yeah, that one was fun. Uh, what else did you have happening, Matt? Uh, Superman, Lois, and Clark issue 7. I haven't read that yet. I was going to read that tonight because I had to get all my work ones out of the way. This is another penultimate issue. A lot of penultimate issues, huh? Yeah, this was like set up for Super Sons. Oh, is it now? Nice. Yeah, since John has his powers now, he saw, he learns his father is Superman. Right, like, but not the Superman out. of this Earth. And uh, they sort of tell him about like the parallel universes and like how they're from a different universe. And they came here after Convergence. They actually mentioned Convergence. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, so <laughs> it wasn't for nothing. It, it wasn't, wasn't for, for nothing. nothing. <laughs> I like I like in the last issue, which I caught up on rather late as well, when uh, when John White is figuring out that he has powers. And he's like, Mom, what, why do I have superpowers? And why does Daddy look like this world Superman? <laughs> Are yeah. you fucking Superman, Mom? Are you fucking <laughs> Superman behind Dad's back? I, I would have loved Lois to be like, yes. And you can't tell anybody. <laughs> and, then, and then just for like shits and giggles, his dad shaves his beard and dresses up like Superman and comes to the house. <laughs> just to mess with his head and just to make sure he keeps the secret. <laughs> I love that these parents just fucking with his mind. <laughs> I can't take it. So speaking of super boys and super sons and everything, I know when I reviewed Action Comics number 51, a bunch of people asked me, well, what about Superboy? What about Connor Kent? And my answer is... Yeah, people is, asked me and... Don't know. The, the answer is no one cares about Connor yeah. Kent. Not, not he, all... He's living in Rome and in like a priesthood, so no one cares. No, no one cares about Superboy, not when we have the much far more interesting John White, who's the actual son of Superman, and when we have this new Chinese Superman who looks to be a young man around Superboy's age. I wonder if they're actually going to do anything with Superboy, though, because he's in that universe. He's around somewhere, like... What are you going to do with him? Uh, you know, I didn't think they'd pull out Supergirl the way they did, and Jurgens is such a fan. Maybe they will pull him out by the end. Yeah, no, well, I, I, if he appears in Supergirl Season 2, Whoa. I imagine he'll be in a comic somewhere. They'll work him in somehow. It would be yeah. funny if Dan Jurgens is like, look, I'll, br I'll bring Connor Kent back, I'll bring back the Superboy, but he has to be the Metropolis kid again. <laughs> Oh God! He's got to wear a leather jacket. He's got to shave his head like a d bag, and he's got to start calling himself the Metropolis Kid. Is what we got to do now. Hey, he was like that in Convergence. I'm I'm fine with it. He was. <laughs> Although I would love how they wrote that organically, where it's like he's just sitting there in the priesthood, and he like stops by a shop, and he sees like a leather jacket he really likes. He's like, hmm, <laughs> hmm. I know what I must do now. <laughs> I, I think when I was reading Titans, he was back there for a second, too. Like, they had, like, this whole murder mystery plot where he killed a bunch of Durlins by accident, but they transformed into people, and he got blamed. And it was a really dumb story, and I stopped reading it. Yeah, the last time I saw him, he was, um, I think, the last Superboy issue where he was in the in the Roman Catholic priesthood, and he went to a Comic-Con, <laughs> and people thought he was cosplaying as Superboy. Oh, wow. And, yeah... 
stuff happened. Superboy is the easiest, laziest cosplay, too, while we're talking about this. It is. You just need the black and red shirt and some jeans, and there you go. Yep. It's the it's the easiest one. Also, too, does it, I know another person who this ticks off. Does it tick you off, Matt, when people are clearly wearing a Superboy shirt, which is just the black and the red, and they say, oh, look at my Superman shirt, and you're like, nuh-uh, nuh-uh. Yep. That's Superboy, yep. uh-uh. <laughs> I know my <laughs> shit. Superman's has blue and yellow in it. That's how you know. Well, it depends on who you talk to. It's true. Could be like muted red and like piss stain yellow. <laughs> and some scale. If, you, if you're cosplaying as like live action Superman. And some scale. Is it weird that I ra- railed against the scale mail on everyone's costumes for so long for looking like basketballs? And yet now the new Jim Lee redesign for Superman has scale and less red than before, and yet I like it more? It works as comics, doesn't work as live action. I, I guess that must be the thing. Because I was looking at the new costume the other day, and I'm like, by all right, I should hate this, because there's even less red than before, <laughs> and yet somehow it looks a million times better. It looks fine in comics, but like in, in live action when they do it, it tends to look um, really thick, and you're mm. like, well, how do they wear that under clothes? I, I think, too, it was the little changes, and I know we had a big costume conversation last time. It was the getting rid of the collars and getting rid of the piping that went a long way. Yeah. To making him look more traditional. Mm-hmm. And even though, you know, they took away the red on the cuffs and they've given him, like, you know, little little Vs for whatever reason. He's got little Vs now. Yeah, I th- oh, I think because the Man of Steel costume has it. Has little Vs, yeah. And, and not to get all weird and everything, but it's like, you know, obviously he's not wearing the briefs anymore, but if you look really hard at Superman's crotch, he's clearly wearing something. <laughs> it, it's like his suit top and his suit pants aren't connected. It's like they're made of different material or something. It's like, it's like he's wearing one of those weird unitard bathing suits and he just puts his pants on over it. Have you noticed that or am I just being insane? No, no, I, I noticed as well. It's around the belt region as well. There's there's clearly some sort of texture there to make it so it's not just like it's not just smooth. Like super Superman has a dongus now. He's not he's not a Ken doll. <laughs> he he has to tuck. That, that was a marching order for the new Superman suit. Bring back Superman's dongus. <laughs> Look, he's super smart and super fast. He needs to have a super dongle as well. <laughs> They don't call him the Man of Steel for nothing, Dan DiDio said, looking over the artist's shoulder. Oh, so speaking of Dan DiDio, wasn't there like um, a little jab at him in a in a Harley Quinn book this week? I didn't read all of it, but you, but here's the thing: it's Paul Miotti is writing it, and Paul Miotti is best friends with Dan DiDio, so he can bust his balls and get away with it. <laughs> yeah, they they were. I I only saw the panel, and it was someone summoning the demon Dan Didier, but, like, they put his name backwards, like how Zatanna speaks. (laughs) I thought that was pretty funny. Dan Didier has shown up in Jimmy Palmiotti's Harley Quinn book a couple times, actually. (laughs) I'm sure sure when uh, Jimmy does it, Dan is fine with it. He's like, oh, this is friggin' awesome. I like like it when you work me into the con, because he knows he's kidding, because you can make fun of him the only way you can make fun of your friends. But if any other writer or artist did it... Yeah, I can just imagine, like, some new writer comes in and writes something. It's like, oh, Dan DiDio seems to like that. I'm going to do it in my book. And he, like, calls him into the office and, like, reams him out in front of everyone. And He, he, he brings out the Board of Education, which is just a big spanking battle. <laughs> <laughs> now you know what you must do, right? In front of everyone in the bullpen. Oh, no, Dan's handing out spankings again. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love this. I love this fiction we've built around working in the comic industry that it's some weird medieval spank focused industry. <laughs> uh, it could be worse. We could be working in the Superman office. <laughs> oh, but dumb Tish, I'm an evil man. I'm sorry. That's where the spanking always happens. Oh isn't no! It? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> You know, I would say the uh, the views and opinions expressed by Matt do not necessarily reflect those of the comic multiverse, but who am I kidding? <laughs> but who am I kidding? He's 50% of the show. <laughs> and I say enough horrible shit. Oh, uh, jeez. Uh, what, what else was happening? I, I like this now that I'm reading Superman books because we have more to talk about than we ever did. We do. It's great. Mm-hmm. And it'll uh, be even better when Rebirth starts because I'll start reading stuff like Batman and Aquaman and everything. Yeah, for real. I, I wonder that'll be a challenge because obviously I want to try and read as much as I can with Rebirth and stick with it. I wonder what books will drop first because obviously we can't keep reading everything. I mean, some will probably be good, but I imagine they can't all be worth keep reading, right? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Which ones are good and which ones aren't and which one becomes sleeper hits. Uh, yeah. What was some more stuff I had this week? Uh, oh, I had Thor this week, and Thor was weird because in the last issue they had showed Odinson coming back and they kind of teased his return and everything. Yep. And then this newest issue is literally just Loki telling a story about some stuff he did when Thor was younger. <laughs> well, he kind of came back. Yeah, kind of. This was this was a very weird filler issue wherein Loki just tells a story for the whole thing. And you're like, well, that's a weird one and done. And then they're like, to be to continued, come back next week. <laughs> and I'm like, well, shit. Uh, <laughs> Is Jason Aaron just tired now, or does he just need to like you know string us along until the new Thor movie comes out? Oh, uh, you can only pull so much out of your beard. Even if it is a big, beautiful beard. I, to I told you there's a great Deadpool story where Duggan writes Jason Aaron in there and Jason Aaron literally pulls a broadsword out of his beard. Yeah. It's an amazing I, I, I think he's busy, you know, writing stuff for the new Star Wars books. Mm, he's a busy man. He's a busy man with a lot going on. The Southern Bastards hasn't come out in a while either. <laughs> that never comes out and it's like really inconsistent it is but it's so amazing I'm actually okay with it being inconsistent <laughs> although I always hate myself when I read an issue where I'm like man what an amazing issue that is now I'm probably gonna have to wait like two to three months for a new one yeah that's like like Dark Knight 3 didn't like something get cancelled on that the sixth issue uh, they had to remove it from the solicitations because they're like yeah it's, it's not gonna be done <laughs> It's not going to be and done. Everyone let out a collective, eh. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got, the, we got issue number four coming out this week. Oh, yay. Yeah. Even though it's like there's been so much time in between, I'm like, well, what was even happening? Yeah, no, no one really cares anymore. They, they definitely, they had the heat, they had the fire, and they kind of, they, they waited too long. I mean, yeah, I'm going to keep reading it. it, obviously. Yeah, you're probably like the only one reading it. I mean, I'm going to keep reading it, obviously, to see where it goes. I think a combination of that and a combination of everyone finding out, like, oh, Crazy Uncle Frank didn't really write it. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, so yeah. He, was he more... didn't, right? He was, he was told to sit in that corner and play spoons. That being said, Jason Aaron, or not Jason, sorry, Brian Azzarello does an amazing job uh, aping Frank Miller's brand of craziness. Well, it's, it's not that hard. I think anyone can do it. It's like, what would Frank Miller do in this? Not like, what would Jesus do? What would Frank do in this situation? I'd have the, the, the Kryptonian supermen's blowing up a city. Yeah, and... oh, they're going to wear vaguely Middle Eastern robe, and then they're going to suicide bomb themselves. And then, and then 
Kryptonian prostitutes cut off Hal Jordan's arm. <laughs> and then I make weird allusions to, like, Islam and the Quran, because why not? Uh, that, that was, like, what we've been saying, where Brian goes out to get some coffee and Frank comes in and rewrites a little bit of it. And then Batman destroys the internet, because that's the only way these damn kids will take notice. <laughs> Batman hates the youth of America, except for Carrie. Carrie's cool. Yeah, she's his prick. She, she's pure is the thing. See, I, Frank Miller, have many hang-ups with women. You're either a total whore or you're pure like Carrie. <laughs> There's no in-between. There's literally no in-between. <laughs> I mean, come on. Ju ju just look at Elektra. I literally put all my fetishes into one character. <laughs> it's literally everything. Uh, what else did you have going on, Matt? Because I'm, pro I'm probably going to lightning round my last couple. Uh, yeah, I'll do that as well. I had Obi-Wan and Anakin issue 4. Oh, crap, I haven't read that yet. Another, another penultimate issue. Really cool. Uh, Anakin ends up leaving the Jedi Order. Oh. Uh, obviously for a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say, is this like the kid running away from home and I'm never coming back? <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was really cool. Like, obviously, last issue, those sky people and the blimps took Anakin because he fixed a droid processor, which they end up putting in, like, this massive war machine. Of course. And I think they're planning on trying to take back their city and everything. Uh, but Obi-Wan goes and she, he finds the person who actually sent the distress signal to them, and she's sort of collecting things from around their world to sort of preserve them in this like hangar base sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And she wants them to help them get back their earth basically. Nice. It's pretty cool. And then we got more Palpatine and Anakin and Palpatine sort of coaxing Anakin into leaving the Jedi order and sort of coming to work for him. M more Palpatine's creepy back rub adventures. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really creepy adventure. It's really even creepier because like when they're talking, they've got like those, um, Palpatine's guards mm -hmm. in the blue, and I'm like, like, what do these guys think? You know, there's yeah. this old man, like, sort of kind of chatting up this little kid and everything. It's Plying kind of weird. and grooming this young boy. Yeah, yeah, grooming him, yeah. Man, man grooming's a creepy word, but I can't think of a it better is. word. <laughs> One day I'm going to put you in a bunch of black leathery armor. <laughs> and you're going to be weird and asthmatic, and you're going to stand right next to my puffy monster face. <laughs> Even back then, I knew. <laughs> yeah, uh, but was that it? What else did you have? Uh, I had Injustice issue. Fuck, what was it? Seventeen and eighteen. Still rocking the Injustice. Still really cool. Uh, before that, I had a really cool uh, Harley Quinn story with it, where she formed Joker's gang that we see in the game. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. that was really cool. She. <laughs> it was funny because the people beforehand set it up as just they were joker's gang they were lamenting his name and she came in and said hey guys that's not cool he was he was like a murderer and like he killed a bunch of people and he you shouldn't be saying his name really and wow. yeah she and she set them up with uh who she set up with batgirl uh batwoman mm -hmm, she mm -hmm. came in and they sort of like organized this gang and then superman came in and killed them all <laughs> i uh, i actually walked in on someone the other day and they were watching like all the cut scenes from Injustice strung together in like a movie. And I'm like, man, that's not the full effect. And then like I stood there for 15 minutes watching the cutscenes. I'm like, man, these were good cutscenes. <laughs> yeah, and most recent story is about Bizarro and him and Trickster. Trickster's sort of teaching him how to be a human. Like, like you got to cover your mouth when you sneeze. You got to like say please and thank you and everything. And it doesn't obviously work. 
to to think <laughs> they spun a whole universe out of one game, huh? I know it's it's a bit better than the game as well. Yeah, it got and, and it, in turn it makes the game better as well because you've got all this backstory and everything. It's true. When stuff happens, it really means something. And they wrote the backstory afterwards. Yeah, it, <laughs> in this story of Bizarro, oh my god, it's so funny. Uh, he he's flying with Trickster and he's about to sneeze and Trickster reminds him you got to cover your mouth and nose when you sneeze. <laughs> So he does that, and in doing so, drops, drops Trickster it. onto a mountain, <laughs> killing him. Wow, that's very And then the rest, of the, the rest of the issue, he's like flying around with Trickster's limp, broken body. He, go, he goes to, who's he go to? The, the old German guy that found him, and he's just like, fix, fix. <laughs> and then he goes to Lex Luthor and says the same thing. <laughs> it's bet, absolutely hilarious. I bet Lex was none too impressed. Hey, Alex is like, what the fuck? What are you doing back? You escaped. What the fuck, man? <laughs> uh, what else? Was that it for Lightning Round? Did you have some more? That was it. That was it? Okay. I, I, I guess I did end up having a bigger week than you. Uh, I had uh, Titans Hunt number seven, yet another penultimate issue. Man, this was the week of the penultimates, wasn't it? It was. This one also really feels like they kicked in the turbos on this one. They're like, okay, wrap up this story because we need to get things ready for the new Titans series when this is done. Surprisingly, we're six issues in and the whole Titans team hasn't even met up yet still. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I, I guess they might. They're just going to meet up for the final issue. Uh, I had the Astonishing Ant-Man, which was a really, really funny issue. Uh, this was uh, Ant-Man... Uh, trying to crash the, like, supervillain party where they were launching the Hench app, which is, like, Uber for (laughs) supervillains. And he gets his ass kicked by uh, by the Power Broker and a bunch of his new villains. And uh, Power Broker thanks him afterwards. It was like, yeah, thanks, Ant-Man. I couldn't have asked for a better launch party. Everyone thinks my app is totally amazing now. (laughs) (laughs) Because you got your ass royally kicked by me. Then he finds out his daughter was using the app. And he's like, oh, God, I, I, I got to save her. But, you know, they're, they're holding her here and everything. I got to stop her from making a horrible mistake. But there's no way I could do this unless I had a team to help me out with this. Hmm. Well, I do have this app. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So he hires, like, Melter and Whirlwind and a bunch of other really lame D-list villains. And I'm like, oh, nice. Nick Spencer is basically getting the superior foes together. When, when does this take place in relation to, like, Pleasant Hill? Or is it just like its own thing? I, I think it's its own thing. I don't think it's really paying attention. Because, yeah, because wasn't Whirlwind there in Pleasant Hill because yeah. you're in this book? I like yeah. th- The next issue is literally called The Superior Foes and Ant-Man. <laughs> oh, nice. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that he keeps bringing it back. Nick Spencer, man, can do comedy, can do serious stuff. The man, the man is uber talented is what he is. That's uh, awesome. I didn't read Deadpool number 10 yet. Uh, again, it continues with Wade trying to figure out the truth about who... Uh, who killed his parents, even though it was him who killed them, but he doesn't know, and Sabretooth doesn't want to tell him. Yep. Uh, Aquaman number 51, fun book, great story. They're doing a great job building up Aquaman's uh, supporting cast and kind of letting them be a sounding board for everything that's happening. But man, is the art not up to snuff in that book. Yeah. Yeah, great story, bad art. Hope they fix it in time for, uh, for DC Rebirth. Oh, they got one more issue, so... They got one more issue left to fix it up and everything. But yeah, Aquaman continues to be a lot of fun, and uh, I guess... Oh, excuse me, I, I guess that's that, then. I guess so. 
I guess that'll do it for another show this week. And uh, if you're list, if you're a patron, then you, you got to listen to this first. You got to listen to this right away when I put this up. As far as everyone else, you're watching this on Wednesday. And no matter when you're watching it, me and Matt just want to say uh, thank you. Be sure to like, subscribe, favorite, do all that other social network jazz. Check us out on our respective Facebooks. Be sure to subscribe to Matt on Fortress of Solitude if you haven't. Yep. Uh, anything interesting yep. coming out this week, Matt, that you want to talk about? Um... Not really. I I did a new Superman in media that I released over the weekend. Sweet. So you can go check that out. And I got some videos. I listened to people who I put out a little poll and see what people want me to do for May the 4th. Oh, yes. Uh, so, yeah, I've got some videos in the works for that. And so expect them the day before or the day after. I'm not really too sure yet. I'm uh, I, I'm finalizing some stuff for uh, for free comic book day. Coming up uh, May 7th, of course, it's always May 7th, for those of you wondering. I'm thinking I may go to Grey Guardian Games in uh, in Peterborough, Ontario. So for all my Canuck fans who are out that way, who are in the greater GTA area, who might want to stop in and say hi, I'm trying to work that out right now with them. I almost, I almost went to Brampton, I almost went like the other side of Toronto, because Stadium Comics is out there, and Stadium Comics, uh, they have a YouTube channel too, and they, they, they claim that they're the most subscribed to comic book shop on YouTube. I don't know if that's true, but why would they lie? They're Canadians. Canadians don't lie. <laughs> it's like the most subscribed comic book shop on YouTube in Canada. In Canada, dot, dot, dot. Dude, Canadians are like road warriors. If a Canadian says it, it must be true. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we'll catch you next time, everyone. Bye-bye.